Hello, you're listening to a special teacher podcast. I'm Jo Earp. And I'm Danny Mullaney. Uh, now it's teacher's second birthday this week. Can you believe it? No, we've hit our terrible twos. Oh, terrible. Now, like <laughs> last year, uh, Danny and I thought we'd look back at some of our favourite podcasts from the archives. I've spoken to people from around the world. Uh, one of my personal favourites had to be when Andre Schleicher, who's director of the OECD's Directorate for Education Skills, uh, joined me on the line from Paris for an episode of The Research Files. And for any listeners who may be new to Teacher, The Research Files was our very first podcast series. Researchers and academics give us a snapshot of the findings and the implications that their research has had. And Schleicher himself spoke to us about the OECD report, Students, Computers and Learning, Making the Connections. So here's one of my favourite grabs from that podcast. And today we talk about, you know, digital literacy. You know, we wouldn't have talked about uh, pencil literacy a century ago. We talked about, you know, what are the kind of skills, the kind of content that students need to master? What are the thinking skills, you know, whether it's problem solving, critical thinking, creative uh, working. It's those kinds of dimensions that we should put at the center and then see how technology can foster them. Then there was the time when you spoke to Dr. Stephen Keast and Dr. Beck Cooper about adopting the team teaching approach and the pitfalls to watch out for. Yeah, that was a teaching methods podcast and actually um, it was interesting because they were a real duo. So uh, let's listen to a little bit what they had to say. It's important to go in from the outset with an understanding of what each other is expecting from the relationship, particularly in terms of the planning, the implementation of that plan, so the actual teaching, the assessment. How, I mean, how it's quite as simple as how are you going to divide this class up in order mm. to assess them? And then thinking about the implications of that down the line for reporting and parent-teacher interviews and uh, long-term learning for the students who may need the consistency of that feedback from one teacher. And who does the student come to for support and help, whether it's emotional or whether it's academic? You know, if it's a team teaching approach, do you say, well, I'm only going to talk to the boys and you're going to talk to to the the girls? girls? Or do we say it's open to both, depending on who they feel comfortable with? And then I might get you know, more than half, and, you know, what does that mean about our teaching loads and comparisons? I I think it's best to sit down at the start and have some discussion around that. Um, And one of the most important things, I think, is having somebody that you have similar values to that you can work with. Now let's look further afield to China. John Burns told us how staff at Shekhar International School were using Twitter and a hashtag to share details of their own practice with peers and, of course, members of their school community. Yeah, I seem to remember, actually, from that interview, the hashtagging caught the attention of Banksy. Fundamentally, we wanted to deprivatise great teaching and learning. You know, if something great is happening in a Year 2 classroom, it shouldn't be a secret to the classroom next door, it shouldn't be a secret to the middle school, and certainly shouldn't be a secret to to the principals and others. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to find a way that we could get teachers actively discussing and sharing the practice in their rooms. And so we saw a Twitter hashtag as being a really good uh, medium for that. Um, and so what we have as a result is this, you know, this organic community of people constantly sharing practice via the hashtag SISROCKS. Mm-hmm. So you know, we see discussions around teaching and learning, we see discussions around passion projects and, and, and genius hour type thing, uh, things. We've seen a change to our recruiting landscape where teachers who are potentially um, vetting the school or want to come here or talking to staff and, and engaging uh, with staff before they arrive. And there are some students involved in what, uh, as well and we'd like to see more of that. 
Okay, Danny, over to an interview that you did for our school improvement series. Uh, Dr. Pete Goss from the Grattan Institute here in Australia, he spoke to you about targeted teaching and a recent research report that highlighted that targeted teaching is the key to increasing student progress and school improvement. What we've also known about for a long time is that students learn best when they're working with material that is not so easy that they already know it and they get bored and disengage, or when it's so hard that they can't actually engage with the material and succeed in it. It's got to be at the right level for individual students. The challenge, of course, is how to put this together in practice. So what's the answer to this challenge? First of all, to assess where the students are at, using rigorous tests that are aligned with existing standards and benchmarks. Second, to target the teaching, and that's hard, and schools approached it in a different way. If you know where the students are starting from, that's a critical starting point. Third, to track the progress of every individual student over time. And the last bit which closes the loop is to adapt your teaching practices on the basis of keeping the things that have worked better and changing or stopping the things that have not worked so well. Then in 2016, we actually introduced a brand new podcast series around school-based action research. Um, In this one, we chat to teachers who have conducted their own action research in schools and find out about the process that they undertook and the impact that it has made. Yep, it's Danny again in this first episode. Uh, Mark Sibbles from Don College in Tasmania shares his school's journey. Um, Now in 2013, just as a bit of background, Mark and his colleagues uh, set out to discover whether introducing peer assessment into the school's Year 11-12 Foundation Maths course could result in improved outcomes and pass rates. And Mark himself had some words of wisdom for his fellow teachers who may be thinking about undertaking a research project in their own school. I think it sometimes can be quite hard to isolate the single thing that you want to investigate or check because we're often trying lots of new things at the same time. So um, the biggest piece of advice probably try to create a simple question that you want to answer. And I think ours was probably still a bit too complex, but it was basically can students in foundation maths who've only ever achieved these before engage in peer and self-assessment and does it lead to improved outcomes? And we were able to answer those questions yes and yes. Um, The other thing really is to make sure that you collect baseline data so that you have something to compare it to. Otherwise, it's really hard to interpret. There's some good advice there. Indeed, and there's lots more to come. Uh, We'll be coming back to that particular action research series later in the year. Remember, all teacher podcasts can be found on www.teachermagazine.com.au. So if you've missed out on an episode of the Research Files, our global education series or school improvement, it's really easy to get up to date. And you can also download all of our podcasts for free. Just visit acer.ac forward slash teacher iTunes or head to www.soundcloud.com forward slash teacher hyphen A-C-E-R. Finally, thanks to everyone who's listened this year. For now, though, it's goodbye from the teacher editorial team.